Amen. Amen. Well, hey, Everlast, how's everybody doing tonight? Yes, so good to see everybody. Awesome. Uh, can we just give God glory for our brother Wes and leading us in worship tonight? Thanks, man. Uh, love him so much. God has used him in a mighty way and thankful to worship tonight uh, and to be in the presence of the Lord with all of you. First, let me just say, I just got over being sick, so I kind of sound like a, a balloon. So please, thank you for your grace already tonight. Uh, but hey, if you are new tonight to Everlast, uh, my name is Kevin. You can just call me Kev. I'm the, uh, I get the, the honor and grace of being the young adult pastor here at Calvary Worship Center. Um, Everlast is our young adult ministry. And uh, yeah, if you are new, please head to our uh, Life Center after this and get signed in. We won't spam you or anything like that. We just have a gift for you to simply say thank you for coming. And let me also say, if I haven't had the chance to meet you, please come find me afterwards. I would love to meet you. Um, as well, that, that goes for my wife, who, are, who was, you know, uh, met her earlier. She's our young adult coordinator. And that also goes for our Everlast leaders and volunteers. We would love to meet you. Um, so tonight, as you can tell from the epic bumper video, <laughs> we, uh, we, uh, um, we're continue, continuing our series, Throwback Stories. And uh, tonight we're going to be doing this by going to one of the most known dudes in Scripture. So please grab your Bibles or your Bible apps or whatever you got tonight. <laughs> and if you don't have a Bible, we've got some in the back corner. Uh, and one of our leaders and volunteers can get them for you. You can take that home if you don't have one. It's a gift from us to you as well. Uh, but grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Jonah, chapter 1. And we're only going to be reading six verses tonight. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. So Jonah, chapter 1, verse 1 through 6. So if you don't know how to get there, you can start in the book of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, and go over towards the Old Testament a few books, and you'll get there. It's pretty close to Matthew. So Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. Before we dive all the way in, let us pray together. Amen? Let's pray again. Father in heaven, we love you so much, and we're thankful for you, and we thank you for loving us and supplying us the grace to live each day. Thank you for being such a compassionate God. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our midst in this young adult ministry and in our church as a whole. God, you are so awesome. We're grateful. And I pray, Lord, that as we, uh, I mean, our brother Wes just prayed a few moments ago, just praying again, God, that as we continue in worship, that you would speak to us through your word. We love your word, God. I ask God for all of us, all of us in the room tonight, me, all of us, that please, Lord, would you give us a deeper hunger for you? God, help us not be complacent. <laughs> I'm thankful, God, that you won't let us be content in complacency. You care for us. I think that's a great prayer to pray tonight, wherever we're at, that we would, all of you, you could just pray this. God, help me to hunger for you. It's an excellent prayer to pray, and God loves to answer that prayer. And Lord, that's what I'm praying tonight. Help us to surrender all of our thoughts and affections to you. And, and now, let me, I'm just going to give you just a moment right where you're at, head bowed, eyes closed. Just pray that. Pray what we just, you can pray that tonight. God, speak to me, or you can say, God, give me a hunger for you tonight. Give you a few seconds to do that. And now let me encourage you to pray for that, that prayer for those on your left and right. Would you pray for them? Say, God, would you speak to them? Give them a hunger for you tonight.
And lastly, I would just kindly ask that you please pray for me, that God would use me to make things clear and helpful for you tonight, that it would be edifying and glorifying unto God. Well, Father, please speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Everlast, so for time's sake, we're not going to obviously go into um, all four chapters of Jonah tonight. So we will be specifically be in chapter one. And uh, let, let me, I'm just going to read it real quick, cool? These six verses, we're going to go. Jonah chapter one, verses one through six. If you're with me, say, I'm with you. All right, here we go. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Verse 3, But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it, to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Verse four, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. Verse five, then the mariners were afraid and each cried out to his God and and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to, to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. Lastly, verse six, so the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. So Everlast, to give you a brief synopsis just on Jonah as a whole. Jonah was a prophet, okay? He was a prophet. Um, He was actually... um, uh, the earliest of the prophets uh, and close behind Elisha in his place in the Old Testament. Jo- uh, Jonah's story, y'all, is told, I mean, we just read six verses, but in totality, there's only 48 verses, 48 verses in the book of Jonah. But y'all, it's so powerful, so powerful. Now, a lot have debated, a lot for years, have debated on what the, uh, on what the genre of writing in Jonah is. You ever heard of the word genre, right? So we kind of, the genre of music, pop, rock, country, R&B, soul, whatever, right? What genre of writing? A lot of people debate on what the genre of writing is in Jonah. Is it allegorical? An allegory, Everlast, is, you know, it's a story that everything means anything and that, you know, there's a lot of different meanings to it. Um, Is it a parable? You know, uh, we went through a series called Parables a couple times here at Everlast. And a parable can be defined as an illustrative story that helps paint a picture to give deeper understanding. Um, Or is the book of Jonah historical? What genre is the book of Jonah? Uh, Is Jonah something that we should believe that is really true? (laughs) Okay, so, but it's act. I, it's, I would actually say it's not, it's not really a question of literature. It actually comes down to who you think Jesus is. If you believe Jesus is who he says he is tonight, if you believe that there is a BC and an AD, if you believe that there is a year where our Lord 
where everything pivots, like where all of human history pivots, then you best better believe that Jesus knew what he was talking about when he actually compared, Jesus compared his life in the final miracle of him dying on the cross and rising from the grave in reference to Jonah. Jesus actually shared about Jonah. You can make a note of this if you want. He shared about Jonah in Matthew chapter 12 and Luke chapter 11. Jesus referenced the story of Jonah in a straightforwardly historical manner, which pointed to and reflected the miracle of who he, Jesus, was in the story. So given the uh, veracity, or rather veracity means like the conformity to the facts, the accuracy of the book of Jonah, I would say this. I think it's on the screen for you. Kind of wrote it down this way. The book of Jonah is a skillfully written narrative recounting a series of actual events from the life of the prophet Jonah. Its purpose is to instruct God's people more fully in the character of God, particularly his compassion and grace that chases us even though we tend to run away. Y'all, Jonah... (laughs) I'm going to be coughing a lot. I'm so sorry. Forgive you, bro. Uh, Jonah, y'all, is a serious story. It's a serious story that deals with our serious inward and selfish ways of living. And it's a call to us to seriously, personally obey and follow God's leadership. Just like our, just our, our throwback stories as a whole, I'm, th- this series that we're in, y'all, is to help us grow past the happy little kindergarten Sunday school stories that we've all been told, which, like, you know, complete with a flannel graph and felt board characters and stuff, right? Like, um, we need to, y'all, we need to let this story, seriously, we need to let this story of Jonah grow up in us. And y'all, we need to be serious about loving God, obeying God, following God, and serving God. Now, there's something that we all, all of us, need to understand tonight. There are ultimately two, Siri just talked to me. This is where I do this for Siri. (laughs) Fellas, real quick note, if you're on a date, you turn your phone off. You say, hold on one second, you turn it off. Great points, just saying, do what I just did. I was free, random but free. We're not in a dating series, why did I say that? Listen, uh, there's two things that we need to all know tonight. There's two realities, two realities that we live in, okay? First one, there is a tendency for us to resist the leadership of God. First reality that we all live in. There is a tendency for us to resist the leadership of God. It doesn't make any sense though. I mean, to to pursue life by running away from the source of life? It doesn't make sense, not, not one bit. It doesn't. But we do it. We do it. We are like me at my first school dance. I was in seventh grade. She was in eighth grade. <laughs> That's right. I had on good intel from a buddy of mine that a girl in the class above me was digging me. Her name was Corey. I had no idea what to do that night, though. I had never danced with a girl before. I was way too scared and intimidated, especially because she was in the grade above me. That's intimidating. Plus, on top of all that, I hadn't hit my growth spurt yet, and I think she was literally like a foot taller than me. 
I literally, I literally, in getting ready for the dance, I, I folded socks, put them in my Doc Martin boots to make myself seem taller than I was. That happened. Although I got ready for the dance and I showed up to the dance, I avoided Corey like the plague that night. I, I was about an hour into the dance when all of a sudden her friends gathered up in like a small gang. <laughs> and they, and I just felt, you know, I'm hanging out with my buddies, you know, and all of a sudden I felt my arm, you know, just drag. They grabbed me, drugged me, pushed me into her arms. Like spotlight goes down, the, da- the dance ball, and everybody's all eyes there. And you think, what happened next, Kev? Well, we danced. <laughs> and it was actually, it wasn't that scary. It was actually quite nice. I, you know, we had a lovely time for like four minutes. We danced. When the song was over, we smiled at each other. It's a, I think I said something like, see, see you later. You know, get it to where your hand's flat like that. Like, see you later. You know, he's like real shy. I went back to my friends. I got probably like 10 high fives, 15 fist bumps, and like 20 attaboys. It was amazing. Now, why did I tell you that story? Well, it was my insanity to run from her. <laughs> or, and it was her kindness actually to chase me or rather send her gang of friends to chase me for her, right? And that's, anyway, y'all, that, that's the second reality. That's the second reality. Remember, the first reality is there is a tendency in all of us to resist the leadership of God. And the Bible has actually a name for that. It's called sin. But the second reality And the good news is that there is a tendency in God to chase us and to interrupt our self-destructive behaviors. In the Bible, yeah, give him glory, hallelujah. Yeah, that's so good. God is so good. And the Bible has a name for this too, by the way. It's called grace. Y'all, it's around these two realities that the literal universe orbits. It's the theme of the scriptures. It's the theme of your life. In, in, in mine, sin and grace, running and chasing. And it's the theme of the book of Jonah. Now, like I mentioned before, we're not going to hop in all four chapters. And we obviously read the first four, uh, I'm sorry, first six verses of chapter one. But the overall, the overall theme of God's chasing compassion and grace is what we will be focusing on tonight. So just the two tendencies shorten. And for your quick reference, it's going to be on the screen. Two tendencies, we run from God. One, two, he runs after us. I encourage you to write that down if you can. Two tendencies, we run from God, he runs after us. Hear me when I say this, y'all. Jonah was a runner, runner. He gave Forrest Gump a run, (laughs) pun intended, for his money. The truth is, though, you can, uh, Everlast, you, you can run from God but you cannot hide. Why? Why? Well, God is everywhere. (laughs) It's omnipresent. Let's look at some other scriptures that support this truth. It's on the screen. Jeremiah uh, chapter 23, verse 24. Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? Oh, that's so powerful. I love that. One of our Everlast leaders, her name's Bree, she shared her testimony tonight in our leadership meeting, and she, she referenced this scripture so good. Psalm 139, verses 7 through 12. I'm sorry, not 7 through 12, we only do 7 through 8. Um, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, 
You are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. Proverbs 18.10, I love this. Check it out. It says, the righteous man runs into it and is I have the opportunity and honor and joy to preach in front of people. You know, um, I'm either, I'm preaching to people who are running to God or to something else. That, that is all of us, literally right here. Can I, look at me real quick. Like right here, right now, that's us. You are either running to God or to something else. How many of you have ever run uh, from what God has asked you to? even if you did it for like 15 seconds? <laughs> I think this is honestly a question where all of our hands maybe should be up, right? Amen. What we see at the beginning of Jonah chapter one is that God asked Jonah in verse two. Uh, he asked this, check it out. Arise and go, um, arise. Yeah, arise. verse two, y'all can go back, let's go back to our text. Verse two, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. What immediately precedes this is what? Running. Verse three says, let's keep going. Verse three, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. And so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. Why did Jonah do this? It's important, Everlast, it's important that when you read the word of God, you ask questions. Ask, it's a great thing, it's a great thing, it's a simple question. Why did Jonah do this? Well, in studying Nineveh, y'all, in Nineveh, where God told Jonah to go and speak against, Nineveh was the heart of the Assyrian Empire. And Jonah, quite simply, did not like, the, he did not like the Assyrians. Assyria, y'all, was an idolatrous, was a proud, a ruthless nation, bent on world conquest, and had been a, 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 like a long threat to Israel. Like we just read in verse 2, Nineveh was a great city, and, was, uh, and it, was, it was for their evil that God called Jonah to call out against, right? Uh, the word evil in the Hebrew is actually this, it's ra'ah, which is used actually in not, that word, that Hebrew word is used nine times in the book of Jonah. It means evil or disaster. So end of the day, the Ninevites were evil and they were in line for disaster. So it's pretty clear that Jonah wanted to run away. He wanted to run away, right? As a matter of fact, y'all, he ran very, very far away. Jonah ran so far away. You can see it in verse 3, it said that Jonah fled, quote unquote, to Tarshish, right? It says that three times. If you, did you read that? Verse 3, it says it three times. Y'all, th this is to underscore that Jonah is, in fact, not going to Nineveh. <laughs> Jonah was trying to put as much distance he could between himself and the Assyrians. Did not want to go. Whatever happened to Nineveh, Jonah would not be a part of it. No way, Jose. And after studying this, y'all, a little bit more in depth, I also learned that the contrast between Nineveh and Tarshish was, in fact, very vast. Check it out. Listen close, listen close. Where God told Jonah to go, Nineveh, was only 500 miles away from where Jonah currently was. 500 miles. 
where Jonah fled to get away from where God told him to go was 2,500 miles from where he currently was. Are y'all seeing what I'm seeing? (laughs) Jonah literally had to work harder to disobey God than it would have been to simply do what God asked him to do in the first place. Y'all, it's crazy. Like we, what we think is easier and is going to benefit us is actually what is harder and what's worse for us. I mean, really, I can't tell you how many times growing up that my pop tried to teach me or show me a way that's actually easier and, and better and would help me so much, but my little punk self would respond with, no, I do it. <laughs> you know, Adam and Eve, first example. God told them, God told Adam and Eve to eat and multiply. You know what multiply means, right? Make babies. I mean, wow. Two of the most favorite things that humanity likes to do. Those are the first two two commands of God. That sounds like the life to me. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, then because, but check it out, (laughs) because true love and faith is tested, he, God, instructed them not to eat from the knowledge, from the tree of the knowledge of what? Good and evil. Adam and Eve defied God and ate of the tree. But y'all, check it out. Not because they like experientially want to know what evil felt like. No, it was because they did not want to be told what to do, right? I, I want to be the one who decides what's right or wrong. They wanted to be their own God. God, you, you, can, you can be Lord over all this, but not, I don't want you to be Lord over me. I'm the Lord over me. I'm the captain of my own ship. I'm I'm the captain of my own soul. You you don't tell me what to do. I tell you what's bad, right, good, and wrong. I'll do whatever I want. You see, humanity does that by Genesis chapter 3, Everlast. And then you see by Genesis chapter 4 and 5, what do you see? a proliferation or rather a rapid increase of violence and sorry, degradation of women and sexual exploitation. You see, honestly, what's happening today in our world. You see human history. (laughs) We run away from the author of life thinking we'll find it and what we get is death. What we get is loss. Here's the thing, though. We all do this. We all do it. We all do it. I think we can all agree that we're in sinners in need of a savior. Can I get an amen? The Bible boldly and simply puts it this way, right? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So another tendency that I believe that we need to have more of and that Jonah did not have is this. Write it down. It's on the screen. Self-awareness. I believe that's a tendency that we need more of. Jonah didn't have much of it at all. We need more of that. So this begs the question, knowing we are prone to run away, how do you, you, how do you re- usually run away? How do you usually run away? Some of, the, y'all, some of the best self-knowledge you can have is knowing how you run. We all know how Jonah did it. We, we, we know, right? He went down to Joppa, found a ship that was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, went down. Then how'd he do it? That's how, that's how he ran. He said, I'm running for God, and this is how I'm doing it. The apostle Paul ran from God. He said in the book of Romans, 
I covet. Y'all, this dude, mind you, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, he himself recognized that he was the chief of all sinners, but yet when it came to specifically talking about the thing, this thing, he was like, ooh, ouch, ooh, yep, that's me. Uh, and what that is, that's coveting. Do you covet? Do y'all covet? Coveting is seeing somebody here. I'm so sorry. Coveting is seeing somebody have. <laughs> coveting is seeing somebody have what I want and not just wanting it, but resenting them for having it. Have you ever felt that before? Is that too honest? <laughs> have you ever known someone who's felt that before? <laughs> Unfortunately, y'all, running from God's gracious leadership in your life can manifest in many, many, many different ways. Some of you have sexual addictions in the room. Some of you are slanderous and gossip prone. Some of you grumble and complain. Like, you're right, it's, it's easier to find what is wrong rather than what is right. Some of you are obsessed with self-image. Posting selfies often to get the satisfaction of feeling someone click like and see how many likes gets on the picture. You know, some of you, it's unforgiveness. Your parents weren't that great or someone hurt you or, you know, and you hold resentment because you think it makes you feel strong. Some of us, it's insecurity. You beat yourself up, self-loathing. And there's a certain comfort that when it comes, you know, that comes with a victim status. I don't know what it is for you. I just know that everybody runs. <laughs> and the best self-knowledge you can have is knowing how you do it. How do you run? I think a great prayer to pray is a simple yet profound one. Is this, God give me better self-awareness. It's the simple things. God give me better self-awareness. Going back to our text, something that I don't want to skip over quickly in, in verse three that we read actually um, is this. It says that Jonah... Said it, I was making sure. It says Jonah found a ship. It says Jonah found a ship. I don't want to skip over this. Everlast, something that y'all need to be aware of is this. There will always be a boat. There will always be a boat that, take, that will take you to Tarshish. You want to have an unbounded sexuality? There will always be a, slight you can a site that you can click on or a person you can exploit. You, you want to be, get lost in drunkenness? There will always be a liquor store to go to. You want to hold on to the bitterness? There will always be someone to resent. You want to complain? There will always be something that's not going your way. Do you want to compare and analyze? There will always be fuel for your self-consciousness. There will always be a boat going to Tarshish. By the way, did you also notice, where does it say it? Right here. It says, so he paid the fare and went down into it. He had to pay a fare. So you, you, you see, it will always cost you something when you run from God. Always. No, not always a literal price tag, but you know, you get the picture. You see, when you're tempted to run away from God, everlast, there will always be something that is available to sail you away from him. When you're tempted to run away from God, there will always be something that will, is, is, is available to stay away from him. 
Which all the more proves as to why Jesus taught us to pray to the Father, lead us far from temptation. So good. Love that. That's a great, that's a great prayer. It's on the screen. Write that down. Lead me far from temptation. Hallelujah. Jesus is enough. Let's continue reading. I'm just going to go to verse 4 through 6. I'm going to read that again. Jonah verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 4 through 6. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down to the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Now, what, let me, let me ask you this. Who made the storm happen? Who? You can say it out loud, it's cool. God. <laughs> Amen. I always love those moments like, I don't want to be wrong. <laughs> That's me like every day. Um, God, God made, the, the, God made the, the storm happen. Why is it that we usually blame or give credit to the devil when every storm comes our way? While Everlast, while there is and can be validity to that, it's God who's ultimately sovereign, who is overall and who is in absolute control. And he's for us, not against us, he's for us. You see, the, the devil will use storms to happen just to bring pain for pain's sake. God, on the other hand, will introduce pain to help you see the problem. He won't do it to hurt you. He'll do it to help you. Listen, when you have a friend, I'm sure some of you have been in this moment. I've been in this moment before. When you have a friend who's had too much to drink, stumbling to his truck with his keys, what you don't go is like, good luck. (laughs) That's not what you do, right? No, you tackle him. Grab his keys, drive him home. It doesn't matter if the tackle hurts him or not. It doesn't matter if he gets mad at you or whatever. You don't care about his feelings in that moment. I don't. I pursue him out. I take care of my best friend or whoever it is because I love him and I'm for him. Y'all, the book of Hebrews says that God disciplines those who he loves. God, will you, y'all need to know this, man. I need to know this. We need to know this. God will use whatever he wills and pleases to not allow you to be content in your complacency. He will shake you to wake you. God will shake you to wake you. He does this because he loves you and he's for your good and ultimately overall for his glory. You see, in love, God will rock your boat. Tell your neighbor, God will rock your boat. (laughs) Everlast God, oh man, God cares deeply for you. And he will do whatever it takes to show that. I love how Paul David Tripp puts it when it comes to God's care towards us. This quote is a little long, so please read along with me on the screen. (coughs) Paul Tripp puts it this way when it comes to God's care towards us. The big question, here we go. The big question is not, does God care for me? 
The Bible declares he does over and over again. So the real question, one that is more practical to us all, is will I recognize God's care when it comes? Perhaps our problem is our definition and expectation of God's care. You see, God's care comes in a variety of packages. His care is not always going to be a cool drink or a soft pillow. God's care is not always relief from circumstances or release from trouble. There are many moments in our lives when the very thing that causes us to wonder about God's care is his care. He knows that the storms he sends will reveal our hearts or display his glory. Often, the storms is a tool of care in the hands of the one who knows best what we need. He cares, therefore, make sure uh, your definition of his care is not too narrow. What kind of storm will he send you, Everlast? I don't know. I don't know. I can name you two. One, a storm that he'll give you is he, he'll send you is uh, he'll not give you what you want. <laughs> you're like I, you're like this. I I want this certain position. I I want this certain notoriety. I want these amount of followers on Instagram. I want I want this certain amount of money. I want this certain acceptance. I want this person to like me. I want this thing to work out. I want this. I want that. And God won't give it to you. And you'll rage and you'll rage and huff and puff and rage until you realize this is not going to work out for you anyway. It's not going to solve the deepest issues in you. And this storm that God sent actually points you back to him, the, the source of life. Other storm he'll send, and quite honestly, probably one of the more scarier storms, is he'll give you everything you want. You will be in Tarshish, feeling very empty and very cold. You know, the band Chainsmokers obviously blew up these past handful of years. You may have some of their music in your playlist or whatever. Every bit of success that a band could aim for, they got money, fame, etc. In one of their more recent songs, they wrote this. I post a picture of myself because I'm lonely. Everyone knows what I look like. Not even one of them knows me. So I'll walk into the club like everybody hates me. And that's the refrain over and over. That's honestly the saddest thing. Famous comedian and actor Jim Carrey, who has clearly and certainly attained much here on earth, he said this once. Jim Carrey said, I hope everybody could get rich and famous and will have everything they ever dreamed of so they will know that it's not the answer. Some of us, this is the kind of storm that God will send you. Again, he'll do it (laughs) because he cares for you. And he wants to show you that true life is only found in following his compassionate and gracious leadership. Now, when God sent the storm to Jonah's way, what did Jonah do? Let's look back at our text. We're almost done, y'all. Let's read verses, uh, well, actually, we just read verse four through six. What'd he do? We just read a few moments ago. What'd he do? You see, after, during the, after and actually during the storm, it said that Jonah, what'd it say? It said that he went down, right? He went down. He went fast asleep, actually, as it says. 
this, this certain captain came up to me and said, how in the world are you sleeping, dude? What? You know, y'all, for me in ministry, he went fast asleep. That was just, just crazy. But check it out. Honestly, I was, I was about to say, in ministry, I've seen this a whole lot. I've seen it a whole lot. Even here at Everlast, I run into y'all everywhere. Here at the church. I can usually tell within the first five minutes of how someone's doing. How their walk is going. Where their walk with God is going, rather. And how they're doing spiritually. Because as soon as they see me, I, I, can, I, can, just, I can honestly tell by their vibrancy. Some of them walk right up and they're like, hey, Kev. It's good to see you. You wouldn't believe what God is doing. He's working in my life like crazy. Gosh, I've just, I, 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 I've kind of messed up with this, but man, I repented and I've experienced his grace. And, I, you know, I've had, I, he's actually given me a chance to be a part of this. And, oh, God, God is moving. It's amazing. Oh. You see, there's this like energy to him. And then I see others. When they see me, they, you know, they break, they break left, break left. Don't look at them. Don't look at them, you know. <laughs> Avoid. Eye contact. We do it with each other. When they see me, they, they break the eye contact. They look down. They won't look at me. You know, they, 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 they haven't been around in a while, and, and they've isolated themselves. And when they talk, their voice drops, and you can just feel this, like, slack of energy. They don't feel great about where their life is at. One of the play on words in our text that we just read, when Jonah runs from God, there's this repetition says it earlier and like the, uh, says it um, in, yeah, the, the first few verses as well as uh, these, these latter verses that we're reading. It says this. It says the word, he went down. He went down to Joppa, down into the ship, down into the hold. He fell down fast asleep. You see, it's honestly quite simple, y'all. When you run away from God, your life does not go up. It goes down. Another play on words and repetition is the word arise. It's actually found in verse 2 and verse 6. And Everlast, it's our prayer and our hope that this church, Calvary Worship Center, let alone this young adult ministry, Everlast, would be a church and a place, a young adult ministry, where you arise and you call on Jesus. Can I ask you a few questions right now? Be honest. And these questions I'm about to ask are, you know, we kind of take them to the extreme. But I would even ask, like, when these questions filter through your ears, even in the small things, the small things that maybe are stealing your affection and joy for Jesus or, or whatever, let me ask you some questions. Are you running away from God? Don't answer it so quickly. Just think about that. Maybe another way to ask it, what, maybe there's, what are, what is, what, is there an area? Maybe you've compartmentalized and you, you're running from, whatever, you know, are you running from God? If you are, are you, are you aware of how you're running away? Do you know that God is bigger and better than anything that this world has to offer? Do you know that? Or do you, both head and heart know that. Everlast, he is full of grace and he's for you. And y'all, in closing and to reiterate, y'all, the book of Jonah is where, y'all, we need it to grow up in us really badly. <laughs> and I pray tonight the Holy Spirit has done that in you, amen. But 
Jonah is where we see the overall theme of running and chasing sin and grace. I'd encourage you, by the way, to keep, go forward. There's only like 48 verses, right? You'll see the heart of God throughout this whole book. End of the day, there is a tendency in all of us to resist the leadership of God. And the Bible has a name for it, right? We said earlier, sin. But the second reality and the good news is that there's a tendency in God to chase us and to interrupt our self-destructive behaviors. That's his grace, his amazing grace. Amen? Let's pray together.